My name is Seth Gordon, the director of King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters. We're at Comic-Con in San Diego, and you're watching Geekscape. Hey guys, it's episode 35 of Geekscape. I'm joined this episode with a uh, good friend of mine, Chris Brandt. Chris made a documentary. We're going to talk about it. Lift up the documentary. Why don't you lift this up? It's called The Independence. It's all about independent comic book publishers and artists and where they get their creativity, their drive. And like Chris and I, when they live this bohemian lifestyle of trying to be uh, creative, not getting a whole lot of bucks in return, why do they keep doing it? And that's kind of what... You yeah. went after Oh, that film. yeah, that was that was the beginning of it. So we're gonna talk about the film, but for those of you who are new to Geekscape, over the next forty five minutes to an hour, we're gonna have uh, a ton of content on movies, video games, and comic books, opinions, reviews. Uh, we're gonna sit down with Stan Winston and talk Skinwalkers, Monster Squad, Iron Man, and uh, reviews of Stardust, Rush Hour Three, and a ton of comics and video games. Pretty much a stacked show, baby. Chris, thanks for being here, Ben. Thanks for asking me. You know, uh, we met at Comic Con two, three years ago. Two, two years, years ago, ago. Uh, you had a short there. I had a short film, yeah, called Closing Time. And how did that one end up doing? It did really well. Uh, it premiered at the AFI Festival, even though it played at Comic Con in San Diego before that, mm-hmm. and uh, then ended up playing in Seattle and a few other bigger festivals. So huge. it did really well, yeah. Now, uh, Game On did not make it into Seattle or AFI, um, but... Did you shoot on film? Yeah, we shot on 16 regular, huh. because it, my DP was like, why don't we shoot on Super 16, and it wasn't a cost thing, it was one of these things where I said, maybe maybe it worked against me, but I said, you know what, like all those guys who did Grindhouse movies, like, I, dude, I was emulating Grindhouse movies before it was cool to emulate Grindhouse movies, but I said all the people who made those movies... In the 70s didn't have Super 16 Let's shoot on regular 16 and let's make it look that way uh, They also had Camera movement <laughs> I, don't, I think we have a couple camera moves in the movie But there's a lot I would, I would You know, it, well, I, well I've done Game Boy Dawn I don't know if I could do Game Boy Dawn again Because there's not a lot there You know, uh, it's four dudes talking Right um, But maybe I'll do Game Boy Dawn again I bet you could pull a full a feature one. out of that yeah, they I, did Brokeback Mountain. That's basically Gay by Dawn. Well, right? um, well, I'm, I, I've outlined a Gay by Dawn movie, um, and people are like, "Well, what's the point? What is it like?" And I was like, "Well, it's not the joke. It's not a horror movie, grindhouse movie, emulated. It's like the Predator. These dudes go into the woods <laughs> to eliminate this thing, and it, you know, it starts picking them off. Eliminate uh, the gay. The, the, the Gay by Dawn feature is <laughs> epic in scope." And the sequel, 28 Days Later, that shit, like, that's when the conspiracy theories and shit like that about, like, gay people and, and now, do you Vietnam, have, do it you goes have, back to Vietnam, it goes back to like, a lot of shit, you have, like, in 20, Weapon X type shit. In 28 Days Later, 
are they slow moving gays or fast moving gays? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can ruin the first way, the, the the first gay white on, uh, but I'm telling you, the first gay white on is like Predator. The second one, 28 Gays Later, is like Escape from New York, but it's Escape from San Francisco. Uh, You're it, dude, I, I, I could tell you more, but it ruins the, the, the huge twist ending at the end of the first Gay White On, which is huge. It, it's, uh, well, dude, it blew my mind when I thought of it one night. I woke up in the middle of the night. I don't want to even tell you what kind of dreams I was having, but I woke up and I was like, I fucking have my ending. And it leads into the second one. And I know how the second one rolls out to lead into the third one, which is like, I am legend. It's the, it's the last hetero on the and face of the planet. You're not having meetings on this yet? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I gotta, you know. They're waiting on the script. <laughs> What's funny is, is the more you talk about stuff like this, and you have like a good short. Well, you have a good short, but, but I think I have a, 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 a funny concept. Yeah. The short, whatever, but I think I have a funny concept. When you, when you talk about it and people enjoy it, people come out and they say... I know somebody who would finance it, you know, and uh, and I just have to write the thing. Twenty day by dawn. It's like the village, and then it turns into like predator, and then it ends in a very cool way. It ends up, for, you know, setting up for like a sequel, kind of a Planet of the Apes ending. Where I the dude looks up and it says, "Now entering San Francisco." And he's I like, want to no. see that. Yeah, you know, you do want to see that. That's right? great. I, yeah, I'm gonna. My goal with those films is to get run out of humanity. Um, <laughs> But we went to see another fantasy while we're making shit up. Uh, we went to see um, Stardust, Matthew Vaughn's movie, based on the Neil Gaiman, Charlie Vess graphic novel, which is a graphic novel because it has the pictures in it, but it also has I, That's more like a picture book. I wouldn't call right. it a graphic novel. Which is why I haven't read it. There were no <laughs> balloons coming out of people's mouths. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, uh, You've I, read it. Uh, yeah. I did. I read it a few years ago, and then I was just actually in the middle of rereading it before seeing the film. And now, having seen the movie, the trailers looked horrible. Really? I thought the trailers for Stardust looked like clown shoes. I thought they were the worst things. I was like, this movie will turn you like gay by dawn. Huh. I thought they were just kind of pansy. And do you feel gay now that you've seen the movie? Well, Robert De Niro does. <laughs> Very. But did you enjoy the movie? Uh, I did. Don't be afraid. Can I say? Well, I, I'm not. Well, who you are, and, and I'll tell you that I, that I actually really did enjoy the movie. Well, I didn't like it too much. Why? What are you afraid of? <laughs> Getting kicked out of the Rainbow Group? No the little club. No the little handkerchief club. What? You never heard of the handkerchief cl- code? Oh yeah, you've heard of that. I, that like, it's been a few years. I different handkerchiefs in their back pockets. Yeah. Whether you're top or bottom or like sideways what or whatever, and, just and rub up on people's legs and somebody's asking, yeah. "All right, he's open for partying." Right. No. Um, I wish straight people had a handkerchief party, like a handkerchief code. You know what I mean? It would save you a lot of embarrassment. Anyway, the movie, the movie. You didn't like That's it. That's true. No. Then you would know like women that you could approach. Yeah, like, if they just had like a handkerchief. Like I'm not, I'm not picky. Like the, you know, just right. white flag. She's just giving up. Right. If you have a white hanky hanging out like of your back red pocket. means not now. I'm kind of doing the monthly thing. Maybe like that, yeah. Black is I'm married, but so we got to be sneaky about it. Okay. Right. We could start our own handkerchief code for straight <laughs> people. You know? I think that's good. But but I know... Yellow, like, you're into golden showers. When women right. would, you know, water sports. When, when women see you coming, they would just take their handkerchief and like stuff it all the way into their pockets. I couldn't see it. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, the movie... <laughs> Why didn't you enjoy it? Uh, 
thought it was really likable, but why didn't really? you enjoy it? Really? Yeah. See, I couldn't. I I thought I could distance myself from having read the book and then seeing the the film, and it was fine. It was like it was as good as any of the Harry Potter movies. I oh, okay. Thought. Like it I'm was it was Harry good Potter that way. Guy. Like it's not. VJ I mean, likes that stuff. But that that's what I would compare it to. Like it was good, kind of in that context, but. I don't know. I just I I thought it was lacking in some parts, which is isn't to say I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't. I, I will leave a movie if right. I don't like it. Right. I will I will get up and. What leave. are some of the ones you've left? Besides Recently, like ten minute game went on short. I don't even remember the ones. I I left uh, Jason X. I left that. I left. <laughs> um, Why did you walk into Jason X? That's the question I have for you. <laughs> I thought it looked cool. It, it could it could have been it could have been fun. I liked I like I sat through the entirety of uh, Freddy versus Jason. Well, that was good. Well, how do you know if you don't sit through it though? I knew because it was the same director as Bride of Chucky, which I thought was a lot of fun. In, who, uh, who directed Jason uh, X? Uh, Jason X has a well. We'll get to that, but he has a new movie that came out this weekend as well called Skinwalkers. Oh, and uh, that's the same we'll director. The huh? same director. I don't know his name. His name really isn't. You know, it's not something you have to remember because the movies are kind of. See, now Jason X wasn't bad. It was just, you know, half hour, forty five minutes into it, I'm like, okay, I got my fill. Like, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no seek, there's no plot, there's no surprises, there's not. That's Bijou scratching. That's one of Laura's dogs scratching. Bijou. He can't hear you, can he? It's a she. She can't hear you, can she? No. Is she like deaf and blind? She's deaf and blind. I have. Do you have a deaf and blind dog? No, I have a friend who, I have another friend who has yeah. a deaf and blind dog. It's very sad, but maybe she's like Daredevil. She goes out at night and fucks up a bunch of shit. She does. She's just resting and I right just now. I don't know it. But um, back on subject, <laughs> uh, we were talking about Jason X on the forums at Geekscape.net, oh, yeah? and it was like just the quotables in that movie suck. And the black <laughs> dude at the end, no, you're not. And he like zooms in on like a like a like right when Jason's about to come back. This dude comes in on like a jetpack. And takes them into the atmosphere And you're like What the fuck was that And then you have the So wait Did you watch the movie Jason X Yeah Oh my brother and I Watched it a lot But we didn't oh. we, we didn't pay to see it In a theater We knew it was gonna be crap But it, you gotta rent it Well see That's the gauntlet like, movie I'm not I, Like when I walk out of a movie I walk right into another movie I'm oh, not Oh you little thief Of course So Stardust you enjoyed We could talk about that yeah. too But Stardust you enjoyed Stardust was okay I like Transformers the- better and they're the same. They're the same theme. I discovered that. I, like I'm sitting through transfer. I'm like, this is the same theme as Stardust. Why? Because it's a bunch of people hunting for the fallen object, the fallen star, right? No, yeah, I agree. I thought that that this movie, like the the one thing I have against this movie, because I really enjoyed it, and maybe it was because I didn't read the graphic novel and this and that. But the but the one thing I had against it, like Transformers, is it. Gets very close to wear, wearing out its welcome. That's really loud, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That, that's really loud. Hey. Hey. Easy. No. Maybe no. now. Um, you're still doing it. Now she's kind of doing something else. <laughs> um, it kind of wore... It, it kind of it played a little... Wow. DJ, you okay? So you, you have the... You have this running thing where you don't cut, right? So you're just... <laughs> Is she alright? Do you think? You think she's okay? She's just like scratches. She's, there she uh, goes. She's getting out. She's, she's, she's no, walking. She's trying to... <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
keep going. Let's go. Okay. She's going to the kitchen. For those of you at home, she she might bump the tripod. Oh my god. She's you saw her. She's not she, going anywhere. she is not in a very good healthy state. She has now moved B, BJ. Oh, out poor B, puppy. Bijou? Laura, Bijou, Bijou's kind of crazy right now. No, she liked where she was. She's just scratching and like like pl- playing the washboard like every two minutes. Well, we started. It's hard. Okay. Thanks, babe. Thank you, Laura. I love you, Biju. Biju's just carried out. Sorry. All right. Stardust. Uh, I. I don't know where you were. I, in I your felt thought. like the movie yeah. w- w- uh, played a little long. There was a little too much in it, and it played a little long. Uh, but I actually thought it was really an enjoyable movie. It, I think it, it could have been better. And the, like in reading the book, I didn't. I thought it was fine as a movie. But knowing the source material, I, I, I question like what they. What are you asking? Just about? think about the dog. <laughs> what they what they decided to expand upon right or cut and 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 what they decided to cut and what they decided to add right made no sense to me what kind of stuff was added um the robert de niro's part doesn't exist i mean well it's not not in that he's not a gay not and and not that much he has a little bit of gayness no, no, no. There's no gay pirate in it. There, there, there's the, the flying ship that's collecting lightning is in it. There is the pirate captain, but it takes up about a page and a half of the story. Oh. Like, they, they just gloss right over it. Meanwhile, there's, like, another character earlier on that worked, that, um, you know, and, and oh, the, the guy that De Niro then delivers his lightning to, mm-hmm. that's completely added. That doesn't exist at all. Okay. So they're just little things like that. The end, the way, the ending is com- almost completely different from the book. I mean, it's what I liked about what I liked about the book. I don't like Neil Gaiman's writing. Don't, yeah, don't yell. I don't. <laughs> am, I, I, am I yelling? I'm no, sorry. I'm, I'm not a big proponent for Neil Gaiman. I think he's I think he's okay, but it just as hit her miss as anybody else. But I really like Stardust. Right. Like that was the first thing that I read of his, where I thought, oh, okay, I see what everybody gets out of his writing. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, I forget where I was going with that. No, no, no. you were so. you were going to talk about the comparisons between the movie and the and the book and how they added and subtracted. Right. Oh, oh, so so uh, so what I liked about the book is there's this sense of communication is capable of solving our problems and people are capable of growing and and having insights into themselves and 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 interacting with the world in an intelligent fashion. And, this and that is, is present. In them film. It's not gone. It's still kind of there. Like you see that in the in the captain and the, and the crew's acceptance of him. In mm-hmm. the, I'm sorry, that's a spoiler, isn't it? You're gonna but, get it. <laughs> but there's a uh, so they they kind of kept that aspect. But then it's like they it's like all movies, you know. They try to put in something for everybody. And um, like a friend of mine described it fairly describes it fairly fairly accurately in talking about what 
entertainment has become today. And that's everything is at, is at 11. There's no building. It starts at 11. It ends at 11. Right. There's no, it's like all one. L- Laura and I, were, we rented this movie because, uh, you know, uh, we rented this movie from Netflix, Day of the Dolphin. It's an old 70s film. Okay. And it's got the dude who played Patton in it. Uh, and um, he runs this dolphin uh, he's a scientist trying to d- develop speech, human speech, in dolphins. And Paul Sorvino comes in, and he wants to use it to detect bombs for the military, right? And uh, he's kind of the villain. But there's no action sequences for the first thir- three fourths of the movie. You know, the suspenseful mo- moments are the moments with the bomb and the dolphin. Before that, all you're getting is established relationships. They pay off in the suspenseful scenes, right. but I think once Jaws hit, you had to have that opening action sequence, you know. And they even tell you as a screenwriter in Hollywood, where's the opening incident? Right. Where's the yeah. opening yeah. action sequence? Yeah. We don't have the attention span for it anymore. Yeah. And there's no patience. There's no build. You just gotta start with start at eleven and keep going. I think that's that's a horrible like to say that's the way we write movies. Or tell no, stories in general. Yeah, that's. So, what are you gonna do? I don't know. Well, um, I want to cut away to our good friends in New York. We have two listeners who went to see the other big movie that opened this weekend, Rush Hour Three. And speaking of communication problems, they sent us this review. I got to apologize in advance. The audio is not very good, um, but I will cut out the bad stuff and show you the really good part. All right, Invaders in here with Big Yanks. So that was the good part of the review. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll actually show you the bad parts, too. We just got out of Rush Hour 3, Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker. We haven't talked about it, although we laughed, played with each other's legs. I'm sorry, Rush Hour 3. So, he grabbed my leg, I grabbed his leg. We fumbled a little bit. He laughed a little bit, we laughed a little bit, but we didn't talk about it. What'd you think? What? A piece of shit, you're serious. You fucking laughed like ten times. Because it was stupid. It was stupid. Okay, wait. It might as well have been directed by Sam Raimi. Okay, Brett Ratner ruined X3, I'll give you that. Brett ruined, Brett, he just fucking ruined it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I think it worked perfect with the other two movies. It wasn't perfect. One example, one example. This guy can't write action anymore. If he's writing action, fucking slap him in his face. Because there's a scene where they're, you know the spoilers in my show. There's a scene where they're running down the highway, and uh, the, or whatever, Jackie Chan's brother, he's chasing him, he turns around and he throws a garbage bag, and it makes a big car accident. Wasn't that the stupidest shit ever? Uh, the whole movie was stupid. Oh. Okay, what about uh, the dojo scene? That was pretty funny. Oh, okay. okay. That I whole that. thing was funny. But I've seen that somewhere. Yeah, you there's just a lot. There, no, there's not some Okay, but so, you still laughed? It's true. So what do you give it? One to ten. One to ten. One to ten. Seven. Se- a seven? You said it's a complete six. Okay, six. Actually, six. Uh, I'm trying to give it more. I'm under this pressure. I thought you said you're like this big master. You know, you're going to fucking drop it on me when we get in person. Yeah? It's six. That movie it's, sucked ass. Nah, that movie was good. Go fucking watch okay, it. Okay, it was full of stereotypes. It. I right? love stereotypes. It was full of movie stereotypes. I, I heard you saying racial stereotypes during the movie, but I couldn't laugh because a black woman. I'm right. She would have slapped me. How about Chris Tucker looking extra dark? He told me that he went to, he went on vacation before the movie. I asked him, what he, was he doing before that he needed a vacation? Whatever. Yeah, well, 
You remember when we were going into the movie? When we were coming into the movie, I was telling him, we were both like, oh yeah, we're going to hate this fucking movie. And I was really psyched up to go on a rant about Chris Tucker. He hasn't been in a movie in, what, seven years, and that was fucking Rush, Rush Hour, Hour 2. 2. And before that, Rush Hour 1. No. Yes? Trust me, I researched okay, this, okay. so I didn't look like a douche. Rush Hour 1, then Rush Hour 2, then this. And he's demanding $20 million for each movie? Yeah, I think he was worth about 10 or 12. We are in the pocket. Yeah, we're in the parking lot. They kick us out because we're yeah. too beautiful. Yeah. Okay, but I like the sword sad. fighting. I like sword fighting. I don't get enough sword fighting. And I did fucking laugh my ass off. I give it a solid 8.5. I love it. I loved it. I think it worked with all three. Alright, so that's it. Zim. Thanks. Later. So that was a review uh, from two people who definitely live in New York uh, and probably got a, maybe got a GED. Oh. You know. Maybe. But. You, you know, did all right, guys. Go Yankees. Um, Keep trying. Nah. Uh, you, all, all I gotta say is thanks a lot, guys, for taking the hit that is Rush Hour 3 for me because there was no way I was going to step into the theater and see that. You Geekscapists can get me to see a lot of really bad movies, but Rush Hour 3, I just wasn't going to do it. Um, so that was that review. Um, another movie that opened this weekend is Skinwalkers. I'm not going to see that one in the theater either. We're going to. I'm telling you right now. I saw about 20 minutes of the film as part of a press junket. Did you? I'm going to Netflix that thing. Have some friends over, and we're going to do a gauntlet because that is straight up gauntlet movie directed by your boy who did Jason X. Did you see the the special box that they had at Comic Con? Oh, where you walk in and like yeah. a werewolf flashes at yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. That was junk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got I, I I actually got like the first viewing of it because for I was shooting for IFC and uh, we went by to ask him about uh, interviewing um, Stan Winston huh. and uh, and what I could get for the B roll. So I was check. So the guy like nobody f- for Skinwalkers was there. It was just the guy did that you say for Skinwalkers. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the guy that that it's. I would the see booth. that movie, Foreskin Walkers. I'm sure that's. E- Could you imagine that movie? Yeah, it's a porn. That's like that's going to be the porn version Four of Skinwalkers. Skin it's like all about people who haven't been circumcised, like probably just like getting laid. Like yeah. People get sucked in. Never mind. You were saying <laughs> you went into the box. Well, it went in, it went in, and he's like saying it's really scary. So we went in. I, I went in, and I'm like, it literally is lightning flashing in a werewolf right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, and the and the roar sound. Did you piss yourself? Yes. No, I was very disappointed, and 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 unfortunately, they flashed the light more than once. So yeah, I was able see. to I was able to think that doesn't look very good, and so I walked walked out of the booth, and the guy was like, "Scary, huh?" And I'm like, mm-hmm. "See, now now if I would have set that up, something like you walk into a booth and like lightning flashes, you see a werewolf and hear like this big sound, I would literally have the werewolf punch you in the stomach." <laughs> <laughs> That would have been like, scary. I would have been scared. It's a lawsuit, but let me tell you, man, you are going to get a lot of free press coverage. It may equate whatever like payoff you have to do in in the legal system. You know, whatever you, you have to pay off the families of the, whoever you punch in the stomach, maybe give them a heart attack. <laughs> like like that will that will definitely be a lot smaller dollar price than than the, the awesome publicity you're going to get. That would make me you know, werewolf pants. punches That's... a dude in the stomach. 
Well, yeah. the thing is, it wasn't even. It's like like not even set up in a, in the scariest possible pose or anything like yeah. that. It's just kind of it, it was obvious. It was mannequin a box just kind of on the floor at Comic Con that you walk into this booth, looked like a peep show, and you walk in, and literally you're standing in a dark room, and you hear a werewolf roar, and it flashes lightning flash, and you see this werewolf, and it's. I would have had a second werewolf it was behind you. So when you're like, oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> you just like bites your shoulder or something. Or you, you would have pissed yourself right there. Or as you're walking out the outdoor, you run into one or, or, or feel hands or something. Or, so, or like a blade cuts your leg or something. What if you just get stabbed in there? You walk in there and there's just a black guy. Because <laughs> I, you know, a lot of people are scared of them. I think a cholo, a cholo with uh, a cholo. All, there you all go. tatted out. That'd be scary. That's some cholos. You know, get those dudes from DV Clothing. Did yeah. you see that episode? I haven't D- yet. I haven't DVClothing.com, our good friend uh, Los Ojos de Muerte, that he's on the forums. Yeah, he's a cholo baby. Um, he's a scary one, too. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> just, just a black dude. What's up? Uh, but, but, but speaking of skinwalkers, I sat down with some of the guys. Um, Jason Bear, he's in this new movie coming out, this Korean movie, Dragon Wars. Have you seen any trailers for this? Like these, it, it looks pretty bad CGI, but you know I gotta see it. Is this dragons fighting over this chick? Oh, I have seen it. I didn't know they were fighting off over a chick. I have yeah, seen the trailer like, for it's that. It's like a little no. girl or something. And so this guy Jason Barry, he's in, um, he's in uh, the Skinwalkers. Now, how is that different from the Matthew McConaughey movie with the the dragons? Because or, I don't know. Okay, maybe it's a budget thing. Because okay. I mean, this looks like it was made on a computer. Uh, like one computer <laughs> uh, I also sat down with this guy Sean Roberts Who's the protagonist of the movie uh, Skinwalkers And we talked uh, he, he was Rogue's boyfriend In the first X-Men okay. He was also in Land of the Dead So we talked about talk, working with uh, George Romero And uh, Brian Singer And now working with Stan Winston And then of course I sat down with Stan Winston We talked about Dingleberries on the werewolf suit He'll never talk to you again now And we talked about Monster Squad And the comparison Between the werewolf He made in Monster Squad And the werewolves here And of course I couldn't get out of the room Without talking to him About the Iron Man suit So That's your Geekscape exclusive Here's that footage Enjoy uh, The movie came to me The script came to me About four and a half years ago And uh, through my Head of production Brian Gilbert Who's one of the Executive producers On this movie And uh, I had told him I said look Brian If you can find me a good werewolf movie because that's what I'd like to do. I'm a huge werewolf fan. That's probably my favorite creature, character, beast. Uh, it's the one that, that turned me on the most when I was a little kid. I loved, you know, Lon Chaney Jr.'s Wolfman and Henry Hull as the werewolf of London and right on through to Michael Landon as I was a teenage werewolf and then really two really wonderfully classic movies like uh, Were- uh, American Werewolf in London which Rick Baker did, John Landis, really, really good groundbreaking movie, and a really scary werewolf movie that uh, Joe Dante did with Howling. And hadn't seen a werewolf movie the way I wanted to see it since then. Um, And I had a specific thing that I wanted to see. It was that thing that turned me on when I was a kid. A thing that I actually wanted to come to California and do, which was to act. It was the performance of these wonderful actors that I remembered who were dealing with the beast within. The performance of Spencer Tracy as the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the wonderful performances of Henry Hall, as I said, Lon Chaney. What I remember is them, the characters, 
And then when they turned into a werewolf, I still saw their character. They weren't suddenly replaced by a digitally animated character. And I have no, this is no kick or nothing, no knocking of digital. I love the, the tool, I love the effects. I love digital animation, I love animated films. I have my own digital department, SW Digital. I founded one of the biggest digital companies in LA with Jim Cameron and Scott Ross, Digital Domain. But my real love is the actor, is the character, is the performance. So recently, the werewolves that I've seen recently have replaced the actor and they've ended up being basically digitally animated characters. Nothing against that, but they're no longer the human beings that created this part of the character. They're actor from here to here and replaced actor with animator from here to here and we have a new, nothing wrong with it, but it's not that visceral reality that I know is coming from the performance of a good actor. That's what I wanted to bring back. I'm Jason Bear. I play uh, Varric, who is the uh, the big, badass alpha wolf uh, leader of this this pack of skinwalkers who um, believes that this this power, uh, this this sort of freedom, is a gift. As you get more hair, do you mm -hmm. get angrier? Oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah. I think you know the whole idea was that you know it it's sort of to to embrace this uh, this primal instinctive power that you have you know I think that I think that um, to to be to to be in that place to be in that that suit you really do uh, have that allowance of, of freedom to play no are you angry because of the dingleberries because the dingleberries yeah. <laughs> what exactly is a dingleberry oh come on now <laughs> bear shits in the woods how's your wife oh geez I, I don't think they care so much about that part so, uh... Well, I heard, I heard a bear shits in the woods that they use a rabbit. Okay, okay, well, what would werewolf use? Human? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, so, this answers the Monster Squad question that a wolfman does have nards. Big, massive, brass nards. Big kahunas. Big nuts. Do you ever go back to Stan and say, dude... I need, need bigger, bigger nuts? Yeah. No, Stan was very good to me. Stan was very good to me. He, um, Varric is, uh, is the biggest badass wolf that, that there is. And so he had big, long, nasty teeth. He had big, um, yellow, bright eyes. Uh, he rode this nice, long, sexy motorcycle, and he got really big nuts. Do these werewolves have nards? Yeah, they have big nards. The design of the Werewolf and Monster Squad is actually a, a drawing that I did of, of me, but it had a lot of the feeling of what I wanted to do and what we have done now brilliantly with, uh, with Skinwalkers, but there was no performance, there was no animation of the face, there was the look that I got with, uh, in the final look of the Werewolf and Monster Squad, but there was no facial performance because it was basically a mask, you know, that did it because we didn't have the technology we have today. We couldn't do certain things that I wanted to do artistically with that werewolf and still be a person in a makeup. Well, 
now with makeup effects and digital effects, I could create the look, that kind of look, and still have all of the performance from the actor. Sean Roberts, how are you? Uh, to play the character of Adam Kilmer, who is reluctant to be found in this situation of, you know, having to deal with protecting a child that is prophesized to take the curse of werewolves away. Um, it's definitely, it's, it weighs heavy on him. And, I mean, he wants nothing more than have a normal life. All of a sudden we have these, these other werewolves who are bound and determined to, to embrace this, the, the beast and kill the kid. Well, somebody's got to stop them and, well, give me a couple guns, I suppose I'll do it. Are you a werewolf in the movie? I am a werewolf. I am a werewolf. I get to uh, stage three of the transformation, which go up to five, so that gives me a uh, brow piece, contact lenses, and teeth. And, uh, I mean, you come out of the makeup trailer in the morning and you look in the mirror and you have this different image that you're showing and kind of awakens something else inside and you get to really have fun with it, you know? It, it was a great experience. Except the dingleberries. Except the dingleberries. All that fur, you know? It's just a bad thing. <laughs> Iron Man is about a man in a suit. And so you have Robert Downey Jr. giving your performance and it's still Robert Downey Jr. There's a man in a suit, but once you've closed him off, it's physical performance. It's entirely different. Entirely different. That's, and, that, and listen, Robert Downey Jr., I am probably his hugest fan. And I would say the work we've done in Iron Man is the best work that's come out of our studio in years. Skinwalkers is about werewolves and skinwalkers. And that's something that I have always wanted to bring Stan Winston to. Iron Man, the job was to bring something alive that was iconic and be legitimate to that character. And we nailed it. Iron Man, the Iron Man suit is the comic book brought to life and it's perfect and it's brilliant and I'm so proud of what the guys did. But that wasn't our design. That was us taking a design and bringing it to life in 3D and allowing the actor to bring everything else to it. Werewolves, Skinwalkers is about an actor and seeing that person's performance come through that makeup, come through it, add whatever we wanted to digitally and not take any of the performance away from the actor. So you see every nuance, every nuance of expression every nuance, every bit of feeling that is coming from these skinwalkers is coming from the actor. We added nothing digitally to their performance. We did add physical things digitally. We did add things with makeup physically, but it was all dressing for the actor's performance. And that's what I think is wonderful about what we brought to Skinwalkers. What's truly wonderful about Skinwalkers for me is it's just a really nice script. It's a good story. It is not a big effects extravaganza. It is not Underworld. If you want to see Underworld, do not go to see this movie because it's not anything about Underworld. It's about people in a small town, small town people with a big problem. They have a lot of conflict. They have internal conflict, they have love, they have mothers and kids and grandmas and
and and it's and it's it's Andy Griffith and it's Mayberry. We're werewolves. So we're talking about uh, Matthew Vaughn. What are you laughing about? You don't like you don't like Stan? <laughs> you have a problem with him? I thought he was very well spoken. No, it was all the stuff you were saying while he was talking. Yeah, well, there's that. Uh, no, I mean, I only asked him a couple you questions. You know, the so Iron Man suit actually makes up for the for having to walk. What I saw of the Iron Man suit, yeah. that makes up for having to walk through that, that werewolf thing. I think the, the Dude, 10 seconds of my life that I wasted in that. I saw 20 minutes of the film. Yeah, it, yeah, it looks really good. Skinwalkers? Oh, no. No, Skinwalkers. Oh, I'm talking about oh, Iron oh, Man. Oh, nothing was taken from you, my friend. <laughs> Let me tell you. Actually, the... the, 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 the Elias Codius is in Skinwalkers, the dude who played Casey Jones in the original tra- uh, TMNT, the original tur- Ninja Turtles. <coughs> um, so anyway, let, let, let's pause. We're going to go into news, but let's pause real quick to talk about NetRiver. NetRiver.net is our brand, is our sponsor. They've been our sponsor. They've been kicking ass for us. You go to NetRiver.net, in about two months, not two months, in a couple weeks, you're going to have a brand new website. You're going to be able to order your stuff, uh, domain names, server, sponsorship, all sorts of stuff. Their domain name registration is like a dollar ninety-five. Uh, we have our monthly. Do you have to host through them to get that? No. Wow. You can register a, a domain with them. It's, it, it's really cheap. Um, go to the website, check their prices. If they're not up, email the sales department at neverver.net. I know once they start this new site up, everything is going to look a lot more commercial. But they, you know they're working on it, and also. Um, we have our our serving like our hosting is like eight ninety five a month, hmm. and we haven't had a problem, have we? Nope. Uh, you also get ten percent off. Are they you, are there servers in Czechoslovakia? No, they're in like Seattle. Oh, they're really? in Linwood, Washington. Oh, that's um, that's once they're run by a bunch of Czechoslovakians. Oh. But uh, you get ten um, percent off if you put in the promotional code Gilmore, named after our very own Gilmore, who's in Japan right now, uh, probably doing illegal stuff with dolls. It's creepy shit over there. Have you seen those dolls? Which dolls? That like look like human women. The real dolls? Yeah. Have you seen those? Like we saw the trailer for that real Lars and the Real Girls. That yes. movie? Yeah. I don't want to show too much of the trailer, but uh, it's basically what's his name? It's it's like what's the name of the actor? Huh? What's the name of that actor? Uh, the guy from uh, from uh, that Headlock movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he's from he's from the Notebook. That dude, yeah, you know, I'm whatever. not into guys, so I don't remember these guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, he falls in love with a real girl. Well, I don't want to talk about that trailer. I want to talk about the trailer for 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 uh, Be Kind Rewind. Okay, the movie that uh, I'd rather talk about the real girl trailer. But. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Because you're perv, like Gilmore. <laughs> uh, just because. What's the name that, of that uh, dude? VJ. This is the main guy. From yeah, the main dude for the Notebook. Half Nelson. Half Nelson. That's, Nelson. that's a headlock. You got it. Huh? Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Now, if we had immediately known the name, we are all about the man penis. Uh, but we don't know the name, and we are very warm-blooded, red-blooded heterosexual men. There's like a really like hetero theme today. Is, is it you? Is it? it must be. I exude that. Because like you're, you have like the a fucking military head. cut and stuff like that. I don't have the the traditional geek look. No, you don't. Dude. I kind of want to go through my geek credentials so that people don't don't. You like have them too. I mean, this oh, yeah. movie, like, we'll talk about. In the, you know what? Huh. Like, do you want to talk about the the trailer? No, for we can it? go through all the. Okay. Well, we can talk about the independent. Okay. 
Do what you want. You're, you're running well, the show, dude. I don't really want to talk about the trailer for uh, Lars and the Real Girls. Okay. I mean, basically, it's Ryan Gosling falling in love with a plastic doll woman. But it's filmed. It's filmed very seriously. That's what I got from the trailer. It's not a comedy. Well, it, it seems like it's parts. supposed to be a comedy, but like the look of it is not comedy at all. It's very indie. So I don't know. I, very I mean, I, I'm interested in seeing it to see what it actually ends up being overall. But it looks like uh, a Fairly Brothers movie filmed in the style of The Notebook. Right. Like that's what it, that's what the trailer looks like, and and that and and to me, that's fucking retarded. Whoa, I mean, who would, who would do, who would do that? But so I'm interested to see whether or not it pulls out because that if it's done well, that's kind of interesting. That's the kind of movie I'd be interested in seeing. One that wouldn't appeal to, you know, ninety percent of other human beings. Well, the, the movie I really want to see is this uh, Michelle Gondry movie, Be Kind of Rewind, where Mo- Most Dev runs a video store with Jack Black and Danny Glover. That, owns that was it. a hilarious trailer. And Jack Black comes in and erases all the, the videos, and now they have to go film by film and re. Make them because he's magnetized. Yeah, he's magnetized, and he deletes all the movies, erases them, and now they have to shoot things like Ghostbusters, RoboCop, Driving Miss Daisy, um, and they do like twenty-minute versions of them made out of like cardboard costumes yeah, yeah. and things like that. That one looks awesome. It looks hilarious. I, yeah, I, we have to wait till like late November to see it, but I'm excited for that one. That's definitely like now the now now the big movies I wanted to see this year are over with. I want like that one. Kicks ass Like that's the one That I'm looking forward to Maybe the only one I'm looking forward to Maybe I am legend Halloween Halloween I'm not even That excited for But I'm telling you guys Right now Because you made a documentary This coming weekend In five select cities And then it's getting wider The King of Kong The movie I've been talking to uh, Talking to you guys about Since South by Southwest The King of Kong is out This coming Friday Go check out this movie I was in San Diego I ran into the director Seth Gordon and cut to an interview with him right now. You already did that show, that interview, didn't you? No, we didn't. We we, we had the main dude. Oh, the main Steve dude, not, not the, the director. Show. Okay, no, the director <coughs> Seth Gordon. We were walking down the street in, in San Diego, and we happened to run into him. And that's the one I'm going to show you guys right now. What's up, Geekscapists? I'm here with uh, Seth Gordon downtown San Diego, and uh, Seth has actually made a movie that I've talked talked to all you guys about twice on the show already. King of Kong. Fistful of Quarters. It's the best movie of 2007. I've said it before on the show. I'll say it a million more times. And here we are running into each other on the street. How are you doing, Seth? Very well. Um, I don't even know where to begin. This literally is the best movie I've seen in 2007. Well, thank you. Uh, It is the classic good versus evil. I mean, when did you know in the product? There you go. This guy's evil. That's that's what you get in San Diego. Ah! Freaks who live with their parents. Um, So, Seth. First off, let's start at the beginning. Well, what drew you to this film? Uh, when did you know you had a story that you had to tell? Well, we met Steve Wiebe yeah. through a friend of a friend. The producer, Ed Cunningham, met him. And just recently, just before that, uh, some guys had gone into his garage and inspected his machine and verified that his board was good. Which is to say, the record that he had set had, was teetering on the edge of being disqualified. The fact that two guys would travel across the country to go into someone's garage meant that the, the stakes here were quite high. Right. And that was interesting by itself. After a little bit of research, I learned that uh, there was some small chance that Weeby might go to my favorite place on earth, which is Fun Spot, which is an arcade in New Hampshire that's got all the classic games and they have for the last 20 years. So I, uh, the fact that we might go for work to my favorite place on earth was like 
that was reason enough for me to sign on. And then we met Billy. Yeah. Who is about as different from Steve as could be in every way. And so it went from essentially a portrait of a competition to a portrait of two very different competitors and how they dealt with, you know, the challenge of perhaps being in the Guinness Book. So this is the movie about Billy, who's held the record for at least uh, almost 30 years yep. in Donkey Kong, and Steve, who's just an average guy, loses his job, wants to keep himself busy, give himself a goal maybe to get back on his uh, feet mentally and emo- you know, uh, in life, and, and he, he fixates on this record in Donkey Kong, Billy's record, mm-hmm. goes after it. When Billy finds out, then it's on. Then it's on. And the drama in this movie is higher than anything you're going to see with robots or explosions or anything this summer. Yeah. Uh, at what? I mean, how much of this did you have to... I mean, what, what was your involvement once you had the story, once you want to go to Fun Spot, how much more did you have to shape the, the, the story at this point? Well, or did honestly, you just kind of let the cameras roll? We let them roll because our original idea for the movie was like a, like a sports movie, but the sports Donkey Kong. And that kind of makes fun of the subject matter, but now you're really embracing it. Oh, I'm very, from the get-go, because I'm such a geek, I'm, I sort of, my implicit respect for the games, I I mean to come across in the movie as a whole. So that, um, that competition, which we thought was going to be like a sports movie or like a boxing movie or whatever, the two guys and a head-to-head and the sport happens to be Donkey Kong, that original idea was so simple compared to what eventually unfolded. The, the twists and turns and all the surprises that happen along the way, we could have never foreseen. And we simply just had to let go of our original idea and hold on for dear life, keep the cameras rolling. And once we got into the editing suite, take a step back, look at the 350 hours, and see if we could make a story out of that. And as it turns out, the story that evolved was fairly Shakespearean mm-hmm. in, the way it, in the way it all went. I mean, not, not only that, but I, I think the best moments of the movie are... There are moments where you really start to, to feel for Steve and, and the goal is in peril. And you take the camera and you show Steve at the beach with his family. You show, you show the stuff outside of the competition, yeah. which gives a bigger context mm-hmm. to the drama that's unfolding, that the film is about. Yeah. You know? it so became, you see it on a micro and on a macro level. Yeah. And that's why I think that the, the drama encompasses so much more than the simple game. Oh, I appreciate you, you, uh, you took That's my you little review, that man. That's awesome. That's I saw awesome. the movie at South by Southwest. I saw it again at Silver Lake, mm-hmm. and I'll watch it again August 17th. I mean, oh, that's your that's release awesome. date, right? Yeah, yeah. August 17th is the first set of cities, and then more the next week, and then if it does well, it'll get out there. So if you live in New York, L.A., Seattle, or Austin, please <laughs> go see it on the first weekend so the rest of the country can, too. So gaming, you talked about being a geek. What is your top geek stuff? Comics, movies, video games? What is I mean, it you're after? Honestly, my, my geekness transferred at some point from like Karate Champ and Mario Brothers and uh, all and Nintendo 64 over to Final Cut and Avid and all the filmmaking tools and the cameras. I'd say that's where the sort of obsessive passion evolved. But I recently was given What's a, your two pop screen name? <laughs> when was the last time you were on Tupop.com? It's, it's my whole name backwards. Exactly. It's my whole name backwards. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually Jonathan London on Tupop. That's, that's where good. I go to get, you know, when my final cut's not starting and I'm like, what do I need to do? That's That's funny. where I go. Or the keyboard's not working. Oh, completely. And there's all those people out there that are totally those are us. ready to help. Totally. That's who yeah. we are. Yep. Um, but yeah, and then, and then movies and is what you geek out on now. Anything at Comic-Con that's been impressing you so far? 
just the overwhelming chaos of it all. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable place. So one movie that I definitely think is going to be great is Super Bad. That's we reviewed that, it two episodes ago. Yeah, that's a great film, really great film, and I think it's gonna I think it's gonna do really well. I, I got my fingers crossed for those guys. Um, and then a week later, come see your movie. Please, yeah, please do. <laughs> I mean, the underdog. That's what your movie's about. That's, that's right. what your movie is. It's about the underdog coming and taking it from mm-hmm. people like us everywhere. Because you guys are all geeks. This is Geekscape, and that's the way it goes. Don't don't go see Underdog. Go see the Underdog. There you, you know, go. King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters, dude. Sir, thanks thank so much. So, well, thanks for making a movie that make make us proud to be us. You know, and awesome. sit up on Xbox Live, Woo! putting those hours away like Steve did. Cool. To go after that record, dude. Thanks cool. so much. Thank man. you. Thanks so much. So that was Seth Gordon. I can't uh, believe you just accosted that guy on the street. Well, I mean, can't well, people have personal that. Lives? No. <laughs> I recognize the guy. We have our camera. We have the mics. We have everything set up. We're going to get an interview. That's how we do it, man. All like right. Joss Whedon. We just pulled him out. I wouldn't care what conversation you're in. Get over here. And, and you know Comic-Con. Like, there's tons of professionals walking all over the place. Time. I will give you a hard time. In la boca. Thought- which is Spanish for... In the mouth. In the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wow. Bringing it out of me. Let's talk about your film, because we, we've delayed talking about your film. Give me one of these DVDs. Huh. Okay. This movie is The Independence. It's a guide for the creative spirit. It's all about uh, comic books and yes. art and why somebody would forego a life of security and financial like stability. Yeah. You got it. Ru- ruin relationships left and right. It's not easy being us, because you're also a writer, director. Yeah. I do this thing, and sometimes you don't know if you're going to be able to cover rent. Yeah, yeah, I'm in that position right now. Keep buying Geekscape shirts, motherfuckers. <laughs> um, and buy the DVD. And buy the DVD. So the, this DVD, Independence, when I popped it in, I started watching this thing. You have a lot of... Now, you're not interviewing people from Marvel. You're not interviewing people from DC. You're interviewing people from like Slave Labor Graphics, uh, places like that. You got some really good heavy hitters. I got, I got in the independent world, the independent comic book world. Yeah, you got Scott McCloud, Wendy Peeney. I read all the ElfQuest stuff. Oh yeah, when I was a kid, all of it because they had like boobs and like hot <laughs> elf women. Uh, you interviewed um, Craig Thompson, who did Blankets. Yeah, which I love. Um, how'd you go about getting these interviews? Um, well, I did. I did mini comics for. Ten years, so I kind of read cred right there. <laughs> you made them, you drew them, and you yeah, you're yeah, drew, 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 and wrote my own my own comics. Yeah, um, I did not know that about you, Chris. Well, it'd be hard to know because a I'm horrible at self promotion, and b the print runs were between three hundred and eight hundred copies. You know, so why don't you put some of that stuff online? Like, take a scanner, and put some of that stuff online. They, they actually are. I, I actually, uh, as I was making the transition into film, I was also Playing around with my website and pulled had to pull all the comics off of my website, and so I bought a website called BionicComics.com, and all that is is uh, my mini comics, as well as several artists uh, that did mini comics uh, in the early ni- mid '90s, early '90s, late '90s, and stuff that m- most people will never see because they had print runs between 50 and you know, three hundred, and then boom, they're gone. But it's great stuff. You get, you, you get, you just there's a lot of great it, stuff at like that Kinko's level. Or yeah. Something? yeah, go to Kinko's. You made your comics at Kinko's. 
That's like punk rock stuff. I never actually made the Matt Kinkos. I actually got a job at a copy shop specifically when I was making the decision, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I went and got a job at a copy shop. So I learned the actual process of using a copier well and then basically made my comics for free there. Wow. And, and that's what led to you... Be, now that now that you that's picked up a camera and started doing filmmaking, that's what led to you wanting to do this film. Yes, yeah. You wanted to document the culture that you had just been a part of for like ten years. Uh, yeah, yeah. Although that, I mean, I I really had no intention of doing a documentary, except I saw so many, I saw several bad documentaries during the festival process. I thought I could do a better documentary than that, and so I just, I didn't without the intention of actually doing it. I thought that. But then, like, I got into that dialogue in my head of the devil's adv- advocate of, oh, yeah, what would you do then? So I just kind of snowballed in a, in the matter of maybe five minutes. I came up with the foundations of this documentary, Independence, including the title, the cover design, everything, and realized I have to do it. Like, it, w- it had formed, I don't know if this happens for you, but it had formed a concrete like I had gotten it so concrete yeah. in my head with, within just five minutes and, that I realized, okay, I, I guess I have to do a documentary. You at least have to write it down. You at least have to try it. Yeah. So and it, and it kept the more interviews I did, one interview would lead to the next, and and it just people kind of people gave blossomed. each other contacts and gave you contacts and things like that. Uh, kind of. I would just it just the the idea of it blossomed in my head and kept as. I was exploring I, the questions built on each other, and as I would talk to people, like I didn't go in with with a set list of questions and only stick to the questions. I would engage the people in conversation, so it would kind of lead from there. And it's it's like without the people that I was interviewing, this wouldn't exist because it not in the form that it is, anyways. Because it was there was a lot of give and take there, and so like I would talk to one person for half hour to an hour leave that interview and then I'd still be thinking about it though so you'd ask the next then person the next person I'm like questions. I've uh, yeah like uh, I it, it so it kept building in that way where I don't know I lost no, for well, words this lost is, for this words is the end result that's and that's the end result yeah and uh, people that watch it seem to dig it um, but I'm having a lot of trouble uh Promoting it, getting it out there and promoting it. Yeah. What, like, what is your deal? What, what, you go to Comic Con. Why don't you set up like a booth or something like that and get it, it out there it, and say, "Listen." Yeah. It, well, it's it, it sold. I mean, I sold a few at Comic Con and I was selling at the tables there. It was just uh, time wise, I, I think I I ended up with the the final DVDs in my hands on Tuesday before Comic Con. Wow. So, yeah, as far well. as sending them out, I think getting the word out there is part of the problem. But I found that. In addition to getting the DVD into the right hands, uh, you can get your foot in the door, but once you get your foot in the door, it's an added problem of getting the person to actually sit down and listen to you or watch what you're handing them. Punch them in the so. face or have a black man in the room? <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see about hiring a black man yeah, to Yeah, next, to year, help me next year, like, I know we're going to be going back at Comic-Con with our merch. Maybe next year we'll have like, this stuff on the table, too. Depends on like, what we do with our booth. Let's sure. just have a huge booth of like all, all of our geek people. 
you know, we'll figure out how to do it. I don't know. I mean, we're still thinking about Comic Con next year. We're definitely going to go. I would like to go to a lot more film festivals, or uh, or a lot in a lot more. Uh, I want to go to more film festivals. I want to go to more tech conferences. I want to go to more uh, comic com uh, like comic conventions. But it just depends on finances. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this show costs five bucks an episode, and you know I can afford five bucks an episode. You know what I mean? Because um, we're li- we're all living this lifestyle, you know. And filmmaking right. is m- more expensive than making comics, at a, you know, out of a copier. Um, oh. But you can get this at Baines.com, Is it? Yeah, that was another an issue that I realized. I put my main website on there rather than the the DVD. So where can you get this DVD? On independencedoc.com. Okay. But there's a link to it from Bainst.com as well. B-A-I-N-S-T. Okay, cool, man. Thanks. That is the movie. We talked about uh, Seth Gordon doing a movie. Uh, We talked about Matthew Vaughn and Stardust. You know he's doing Thor now, right? I read that, yeah. He's doing Thor. Which I wasn't that interested. I wasn't interested in seeing a Thor movie. Really? And now you are? Now I am. Yeah, I, I I liked Stardust. I thought it was pretty good. That was a good movie. Dude, how would you like it if Thor was in it? I think the Thor movie has to be a little more dark. I think it has to be a little more brutal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? This is this is definitely a Willow, a Princess Bride type fairy tale. I think Thor has to be a lot more action driven, a lot more you know sweat sweaty men mm-hmm. with ha- large hammers. I'll be there. Whatever floats your boat, dude. Um. But that brings us into comic books. You talked to a bunch oh. of comic creators on here. We got to talk about independent books. Oni Press. Have you read Scott Pilgrim? I haven't. This is one that uh, last week on the show we talked uh, to the director. I've looked at that though. Yeah, we talked to the director of um, Hot Fuzz mm-hmm. last week, Edgar Wright. Uh, and one of his next movies is an adaptation of Scott Pilgrim, which is That's a, the Oni Press book. Um, this is done by a Toronto kid named Brian Lee O'Malley. He's like younger than us And he's kicking ass with this book um, I was not sold About three fourths of this first uh, This first volume's Precious Little Life uh, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life And uh, this first volume didn't have me At all uh, Until about three fourths of the way through It's basically a 23 year old guy who has a band You know A little directionless in life But he's dating a 17 year old high school girl I think it's cool in, I think in Canada it's cool um, it's cool know. everywhere, but it's just not legal yeah. everywhere. <laughs> um, and, and so he's dating this girl. It's awkward uh, because she's younger than him and still in high school. And he invites her to this gig. Around the same time, he starts having dreams about this other girl. Uh, and he, and he ends up she? meeting her, same age uh, as he, and uh, oh, meets her at a party 17. and ends up inviting her to the gig because he's not the smartest guy. He's like us, normal dude. So they show up at the gig at the same time. And I'm like, okay, so this is just going to be kind of a, a fun, real life, you know, comedy about dudes our age and dating mm-hmm. and, and being in a rock band and being a bohemian. This is where uh, this one takes a turn. He gets to the gig, starts playing. Now you find out that this book is about this new girlfriend and how her seven exes are each going to come after him to fight him and then he can date her. And in the middle of the gig, you're thinking, okay. It's it's gonna stay normal. I'm like pages away from the end of this first trade. Uh-huh. It has a very manga style to it, but also a really really cool uh, independent 
feel to it. it reminds me a little bit of blankets, uh-huh. some of the layouts, but Cause it's mix snowing. that with manga and all that. Um, yeah, just the way he he treats blacks and whites and negative spaces. Um, the first boyfriend attacks midway through their gig, and it turns into like a Pokemon battle. Really? Like he summons like these demon gr- like hipster girls like thing like in these it, it it plays out like a Street Fighter game, and like the dude hits him, he blocks it and reverses it, and it literally on the, in the panel says reversal, you know, like a video game. Right. So he's doing a, something a little bit more than just giving you a slice of life independent book. Uh, it's got a, a bit of surrealism to it, and I think things are just going to get worse uh, <laughs> with the surrealism or in, better in this book. I think it's fun. I mean, it, like. I could see how Edgar Wright would do it. It feels a little bit like um, Ghost Worldy, like it had that same pace where not a whole lot of events are happening. Right. These people are just kind of talking and hanging out, and then when it started hitting this stuff, and it, and it hit, you know, in the closing pages when you see the action and it hits that beat uh-huh. of uh, the seven boyfriends going to be coming after you, and you're going to have to, you know, then it started kind of picking up for me. I'm going to go pick up the second volume, and. Uh, you know, see how it feels. But if you're looking for something that doesn't have dudes in capes, this is a good one to pick up. Um, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, Brian Lee O'Malley. You can get it on Press. Have you read any Will Eisner stuff? Yes. I got to tell you, man, I have not read a lot beyond the spirit. But I've been writing a script at the Beverly Hills Library. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, public libraries, if you don't want to spend books, money on trades, go to the public libraries because they've got They're trades. stocked up. Tons of them. Yeah. And uh, right here over the last couple of years, they it's really free. Been... I'm checking well, out. You don't trades get to keep it for free. Well, I'm not going to keep it, but uh, I've been wanting to read this Will Eisner contract with God for mm-hmm. a long time. Have you read this? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't read it in that volume, uh-huh. but I may have read it in another in another volume if 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 it exists somewhere else. Because it says other tenement stories. I don't think I don't think I have read a contract with God. It, it, it's a classic, you know, book that he did in a graphic novel format. Intentionally, it's not single issues or anything like this. This is Will Eisner. The dude has the comic equivalent of the Oscars named after him, oh. and it's a very old. You know, he has a very old school feeling. This dude established so many rules for comic books, and so much of what we see in comics is because of him. Um, just the treatment of panels, the way he cuts up the the page, the way he one page leads into another, but looks completely different, but still flows. Um, the guy's a genius. His his like just pen work is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. His inking, his etching is incredible. Um, and this is a story about a tenement in the Bronx, from when it was built in the 1920s after the World War, to now to uh, you know like the mid 50s. Mm-hmm. The different people who live in this tenement and basically the life of it. And it's a, in a you know it's a very Jewish perspective. Um, so I learned a lot about the Jewish people. Uh, no, it, it's the foreskin. Well, the well, you know, the, it's uh, it's a Jewish neighborhood and it's a Jewish tenement, and uh, you know, he wrote it. He, he says a disclaimer. He says his autobiography. He says it's very, the real. The only thing fiction about this is in the telling, but the events are true, and it feels like you're reading um, morality stories. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what all this stuff is like, though. Really? Yeah, I, I think so. Even even in the spirit stuff. Yeah, so. this one like this guy writes a contract with God. He loses his daughter, and he throws the contract out. He then starts developing all this wealth, moves out of the tenement, buys the tenement, 
and then his life, you know, and then he has a heart attack and can't spend any of the money, and he dies. Uh, so what good did it do, you know? Um, you can't make a, you know, you can't speak for God, you can't have a contract with God. Someone else finds the stone and it then that he threw out because he wrote it when he was poor and escaping uh, Russia. And uh, he wrote it before they sent him, after, you know, to uh, the United States. And it, he wrote this contract and he kept it. And he threw it out the window once his daughter died. And then uh, the next person picks it up and you follow his story. And that's how these four stories in this trade work. But it got me, you know, it got me interested to pick up the rest of Will Eisner's stuff. There's no Captain America in it, though? No Captain America. But, but I see where you're going with the segue, baby. <laughs> And I think you are a great co-host today because Captain America is coming back. Really? I'm telling you. Uh, we we're talking about how I want to go to comic con, you know, different comic conventions. But he, he's dead, right? Yeah, he's dead. But this past weekend in Chicago, uh, we have um, Alex Ross, the, the big artist, does all the photorealistic paintings and that. Uh, he put up a piece of artwork that I'm putting on the screen right now, and look what it is. It's a painting of. Steve Rogers, Captain America, and it says, Return. And he has said, Alex Ross said, this is Steve Rogers, it's not a clone, it's not a this, that, this is the real Steve Rogers, he's back. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's like a Marvel Knights. Can they really bring him back this quickly after they just maybe, killed the guy? Maybe they're just going back and, and redoing all the stuff from the 1930s and 1940s. Yeah, because look, he's he's sitting next to someone whose arm it looks Is like it below a, us right no, now. No, it's on the screen. Okay, I'm, I'm just holding it. We got to make believe on t uh, on the internet. Uh, he's standing next to two arms. One of them looks like Bucky, maybe the Winter Soldier, and the arm uh, on the right or on the left it looks like. The Submariner Looks like Namor I agree And the three of them Were all part of The uh, invaders And then the human torch Is behind him That's what I think Everybody says He's walking out of flames But I'm like No he's getting Buffed by the human torch I agree Behind him And and you know he's a man Because he's not even flinching No right? He is taking it like Like we would when, uh, and, and what I'm thinking is It's called the return But The turn Is the huge part of this word You know And this is like This is going to be The big bombshell Captain America, this is just my conspiracy theory right here. Captain America comes back, but he comes back playing for that side. And we're still all Americans. It, it, it's a beautiful thing, man. Because you knew Namor was gay. You knew this whole I love Sue Richards thing was just a giant beard. There's a lot of gay stuff going on in this episode. Well, because uh, I like you. Oh. Uh, and, and I'm not afraid to say that. But uh, you're so uncomfortable right now. Don't no, I'm not. Give in your feelings. I, I was actually. And, and, then, and then, dude, Bucky runs around with a kid named Bucky. You know, it's like Robin. Yeah. And then the human torch butt fucking him. I think this painting says, like, you know, the Marvel Universe is about to get flipped on its head, and we're proud of it. I agree. Have everybody come out of the closet. Just maybe that's part of the Maybe that's part of the Civil War. Civil War Two. You know. I I think that uh that it's time, Captain America. Who else? Who else to lead the charge? I think you should be hired to write your Dude. own your own Marvel like Maxi. Uh, Event series Tony Joe Casada, Dude Call me up man I will write that In a Well I will, I will write the Maxi do the gay wars series. Or something this, like, It's like secret wars mm -hmm. But like In the closet wars mm -hmm. What do you think of that That's good And like well, I'll just have Alex Ross Paint all of it And it'll, it'll just be Dudes posing You know And like looking off Like 
you know. You saw the painting Alex Ross did of the ambiguously gay duo from Saturday Night Live, right? Uh, you know the ambiguously gay duo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Alex I have Ross seen that. I did. I, I saw that. It kicks ass. It, uh, it looks very. It makes it look very serious. I like how we started off talking about gay went on, and now it's painted or tainted. Emphasis on taint. Uh, the entire episode. But I'm not afraid of that. This episode has a lot of pride in it. And Gilmore's not even here. Um, Have you read The Invisibles? Yeah, that's the more Grant, Grant Morrison book. Yeah. I ha- you know what? Fuck, I'm going to get a lot of shit. I haven't. Really? I don't think you would get a lot of shit. I don't know how popular that is or isn't. I, I hadn't read it until recently, except what, a friend gave me all the issues. So what is it? Uh, <clears throat> it's basically, uh, you know, it's I mean, really... Uh, yeah, but it's it's done. You know, like it started in the I think the mid '90s and finished up in probably 2001 okay. or something, 2002. And what is it? But they're coming out in their trade paperback form. Yeah. Uh, what is it? It's it's just a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have even asked. Uh, what is it? It's how, just how a long. Describe it. It's good though. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a magical reality. Exploration of a magical reality It's, it's a lot what? like Harry Potter The Books of Magic Except With a more uh, More grown psychedelic up. And grown up theme yeah. So it's a bunch of grown ups Dealing with Magic in the real world Yeah Now are they a group of like Detectives Or are they a group of like Crime They're fighters? a group, they of, group of terrorists <laughs> Oh that's fun <laughs> Which But it, okay. it's 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 going off of the You know Pre Pre 9-11 Idea of Of uh, uh, the world turning into night and our governments turning into those of 1984 mm-hmm. and uh, not the actual year but the book right right and uh, and, and like an underground undergr- yeah an Orwellian Orwellian present actually okay. leading into a, leading into an Orwellian future and the the underground operatives that that work against that and there's magic um, that exists in it yeah you recommend it it sounds good it actually sounds good. It sounds like a lot going on in the. Book. I recommend it. It's, it takes a lot. I think it's it only to me. It only works as a whole, though. Like I don't know that anybody would ever pick up an issue of that and say, "Oh, I want to check out the, re- the like the earlier issues of this yeah, or the, it, the it later has a lot issues." Of critical but it, acclaim, and it's Grant Morrison. Yeah, that's that's pretty much enough to at least pick up the first trade. Um, another thing that was that a signal? No, no, no. Oh. VJ was just fixing his headphones. Uh, but we're already working into video games, so I think we're good on time, right, VJ? Ten. Okay, kicking ass. Uh, let's talk this new Stranglehold demo. Everybody's talking oh. about it. You love playing it. Yeah. I wasn't that impressed the first time, but this is the sequel to Hard Boiled. It's in video game form on the 360. The demo's out. John Woo's Stranglehold. You get to play as Chai Yun Fat. That's right, Tequila from uh, Hard Boiled. What's your impression of the game? Because I saw you pretty much destroyed <laughs> Hong Kong. Well, it was, it. like you said, it was raining Chinamen. Yeah. And. Uh, I liked it. It was a lot. I also I asked you. It was a lot like Max Payne, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, a little more, you know, a little more fluid and uh, than Max Payne, and uh, it seemed it was for an action for an action genre game. It I I I really dug it. Cool. Yeah, I I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody that liked Max Payne or uh, what was that cowboy one, whatever it was. Uh, gun. Was that it? No, but I don't remember it. Um, I um, first time I played the game, I wasn't that into it. I thought it was uh, a little stiff. Like I don't like that you have to butt slide every time you touch a table. Oh, 
Like there's but it does it automatically. Butt sliding. Yeah, it automatically butt slides. There's no jump button. You don't really. F- you kind of feel like you're just playing through the game without uh, as much control as you would in another game. That's kind of what you, I. You interact with stuff way too automatically for my taste. That's kind of what I like. I mean that 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 seemed to augment the feeling of the the action mm-hmm. feeling for me. Like you didn't have to. Maybe it's made for old people like me. I don't know. But you no, didn't have to. <laughs> like I didn't find you, you. Don't find yourself like bouncing up against objects or and and like oh. Getting trapped. Man, I should have turned there. Yeah, it's it's unless the the walls are very obvious. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you just you you just running through everything. You you can run and dive over over everything. Um. So it was just it. It's made. It's very easy. You just running around shooting stuff. And once so you start jacking up like the tequila meter for uh-huh. your health, and like you did the you got it to do the precision targeting. Where it cuts the cuts. That was really cool, yeah. blown away because you're really able to focus. Everything slows down. down and you... And then there's a Kila bomb where you have doves fly out of your shoes and you shoot everything on sight and pretty much destroys the whole s- screen. Um, stuff like that's cool. I'm guessing as much as you guys love this game, because I've been reading on the forums how much you guys love this game, I'm going to have to say that this is a game that's going to go down like the Matrix game. Really? Uh... And although you're really excited about it right now, in the end, it's not going to have the life that, you know, like a real classic, like a like a Halo, or a GTA, something like that's going to have. Well, yeah, but it's not going to be like it's I have not to that buy a 360 of... because of Stranglehold. Sure, but I will buy it used. That's what I'm saying. I'm not going to go out and. But those types of games. I mean, those those types of games have that very limited lifespan. They don't have multiplayer, and they're not. They're not that open-ended kind of game that that GTA is. Right. So I, I mean, that's kind of a. That's yeah, but it costs the same. It costs the same. So it's and I ag- I agree. Now that 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 is a horrible thing. That's the for, make or break. Exactly. And well, so it'll. I mean, obviously, it's going to come out, but yeah, it's not going to be something that they're. It'll be in the bargain bin pretty soon. It's kind of like mm-hmm. um, the game that I am playing a lot of right now. What's that? Um, Shadowrun. Oh, you love that. Which is specifically online multiplayer. It's not worth There's no story. the 60 bucks either. There's no story. But it's fun. It's fun, but you know, again, like VJ was saying, it's the same price as everything else out there too, which is I think a mistake that that video game makers are are making. And the, if it and comes they're, they're out for the 360, it's got to be $60. If it comes out for the Wii, it has to be 50. If it comes out for the DS, it has to be 30. Yeah. It's a remake. You know. Yeah. Unless it's a remake, then you get like the selects title and you get twenty bucks. Right, but but if you're putting out a product that doesn't have that that doesn't have everything that like a story like a ha- or, or like, a ha- like Halo. Basically, if if you if I mean Halo Halo and Halo Two, Halo Three, that's kind of the level that that you're aiming for. If you're not hitting that, you got you got to you got to knock the price down because if you don't because if you don't knock if you don't have a lower price when it comes out initially. It's going in the bargain bin. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get multiple sale print runs or anything right. like that. You're, you're gonna end up losing more money on it in the long run. I think. I mean, you, there's a, there's a price break point. I had to learn that with my own DVD, right. which I tried to sell at Comic Con for for twenty bucks initially. And you ended up having to cut it to fifteen. To, to fifteen. Yeah, I mean that happens. Um, and that's that's capitalism, maybe. I, I do think a sliding scale though on on video games would be really interesting. You know, I would probably buy more twenty thirty dollar titles. And, it, you know, and, and and just knowing that they're fun and like on Xbox Live, if you buy something out of the arcade and it costs you know a hundred a couple hundred points, that's a five six seven dollar game. You're not gonna 
really sit and think about it, you're going to buy it like out of just impulse instead of just mulling it over. Oh, it's a big investment. You're going to there's a lot more room for impulse buys. Right, exactly. And here's the thing, though. That I mean, that that sliding scale does exist. It just exists over time. Yeah. Because I know I for myself, I w- either buy it used, wait longer right. until the price drops, or rent it. I mean, the the fact that you can rent games is is a huge deal, and there are people that just go out, rent it for yeah. you know VG's a week or two, and game. you know you're done with the game. Like yeah. you you complete the game, you're done with it. You've paid what ten bucks mm-hmm. for one free Which, a month for, for one free <laughs> a month with VJ's blockbuster yeah. cheap move. Um, but uh, so yeah, I hear what you're saying. So I think the game companies are are not. You know they're they're not they're not involved. They they can't separate themselves enough from the the business and and li- really listen to the input that they're getting from the consumer. from the consumer, uh, which is, I, I mean I, that's that's a huge Microsoft problem. I mean I, I know on Halo too that that you get the same feedback from the developers and the and and the people that are making them. They and the same thing with Shadowrun. They don't want to hear any of your complaints. They made it perfect and and they're fine with it. And that's that's fine, you know, if if you made it for your for you and your twenty friends that sit and play it all together in the same room, that's great. But if you're if but you're looking throwing it against the wall and it doesn't y- stick, don't be mad. To use a metaphor. Or at least take the understand the criticism that you're getting. Right. Don't say I I have a lot of issues with Xbox, quite frankly. Thank you. I need that comfort. That's what this episode's about. Comfort. You'll get it. Which means I want to I want to bring this this episode to a quick close. So I can get on with my business. Um, I got to tell you guys, we have a MySpace. It is geek. It is MySpace. dot com slash Geekscape Net. We also have a Facebook uh, buddy group. Go on there. We have a, a fan club over on Facebook. If you're a Facebook member, search for Geekscape. You'll find our group. Um, go visit the forums, myspace.com slash forums. You can submit reviews to the show, just like those two uh, good friends of ours, Invader Zim uh, from the forum and, uh, and Big Yanks. That's geekscape.net slash forums. And I also want to get on the forums for a reason, because I want to... You guys who have used trade paperbacks and stuff like that... Um, a friend of mine has some troops in Iraq. They don't look like they're coming home anytime soon, so might as well make their stay over there enjoyable. Uh, I'm going to set up an APO uh, address for them. I'm going to get an APO from them, and uh, we're going to put it on the forums. And if you guys have used trade paperbacks, things you want to get rid of, uh, things you might think that they like to play, video games, whatever, I'll put the APO address up there, and you guys can mail them all your old stuff, and that'll make their stay a little better, don't you think? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. If I send you over there with your stranglehold, start blowing people's heads off. I like that you can, like, a part of the dude's head's missing when you hit him with a shotgun. <laughs> you are good at that game. I, I like to shoot. We'll find out in about 10 seconds after this camera starts rolling. Um, that's our episode. We will see you guys next week. Um, and that's that. Thanks a lot, Chris. The movie is independent. Thank you. Uh, the Independence, and you can get it independencedoc.com or bainst.com. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Time's up. I'm sorry. Okay, you want to bring the next one in? I'll give you one more minute. Okay. My name is Seth Gordon, the director of King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters. Oh, man. Really? Hey, you got toilet paper on your foot, by the way.
Okay. Yeah, man. Who's the geek now? Who's the geek now? <laughs>